All right. A few weeks back, John Logan was opening the service, and he was in Galatians, or he was in Colossians. He was in one of those. And he kind of, for me, he, he triggered something. I don't know if you can say trigger anymore, but he triggered something. And, and he had to do, he was elaborating on patience. And he put me right to a spot where I was once upon a time, not all that long ago, praying over myself. One of those novel ideas, you can actually pray scripture over yourself. And I did for, for some period of time, pray Colossians, first Colossians, we're going to Colossians. First Colossians, chapter one, starting at verse nine. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Here's where it comes. Strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. I got to stop right there because when I started praying that over me, I was praying to God to be strengthened with all his power, right? According to his glorious might, the creator of heaven and earth. That's the kind of power I was praying for. And you know where it led me to pray? For the attaining of steadfastness and patience. And I was kind of like, wait a minute. The power to create heaven and earth. And I'm praying for steadfastness and patience. It seems sort of anticlimactic. But there's more to it. Once born again, once, once a member of the body of Christ, if we didn't have an earthly purpose, we'd be raptured right then and there. Poof, gone. But we're here for a purpose. We need to find that purpose. We need to get on with that purpose. And it takes earthly time. It takes time. And over that time, steadfastness and patience is required. Joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Let's worship. Everybody stand, we'll pray, and we'll praise our Father. Lord, we thank you. Father, that we can come together as your body, members of your body, Lord Jesus, to worship you, to pray with thanks for the patience for the steadfastness to find our purpose and to fulfill it here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. As we prepare to receive communion today, I want to read uh, Luke chapter 22, uh, starting in verse 14. It says, When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. 
And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There are a few places in the New Testament we can find the Lord's Supper. and this one in the Gospel of Luke, we can see a couple of things I want to highlight. First, we can see that to do likewise includes giving thanks. In verse 17, Jesus took the cup and gave thanks. And in verse 19, he took the bread and gave thanks. So when we receive the Lord's Supper, we should receive it with gratitude. The second thing I want to highlight is that we are instructed to do likewise as an act of remembrance. Remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross, remembering his promise to return, and I'd like to suggest this enables us to remember the perspective we can and should have in the time between. We have already been cleansed of our sin and we know that everything will work out in the end. We have been made righteous by the gift and sacrifice of God, so we're no longer trying to earn his um, right standing with God, but to bring his good news and his kingdom to the world around us, while we have a confident expectation that we will see victory. So some logistical instructions. Uh, when we um, come forward, you guys can come forward, make some lines for each of these places you can receive. There are two cups nested in each other. One has the wine and one has, and it's actually juice, and the other <laughs> has the bread. But take them together and don't take just the top one. Um, and then you can go back to your seats and you can receive it whenever you want. We're not going to wait for all of us together. So, um, so I'm going to read one more scripture and then we'll pray and, and then you can come forward. So 1 Corinthians 11, starting 23. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do, as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So Father, we, we come with an attitude of thanksgiving. We are grateful for what Jesus did for us. We are thankful that we are in right standing with you by the gift of God and the sacrifice of Jesus. And so now we receive this cup and this bread in remembrance of what you have done for us and the remembrance of what we are here to do. So it's in Jesus' name we pray and give you thanks and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Good to be with family, good to be in the presence of each other. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. Well, uh, you would notice that worship's a little short today. We've got a ton of stuff that we need to get through. There's a number of things that we need to talk about. Uh, some other people are going to share a little bit, and, and uh, but we needed to make enough room for everything. So come back next week. If you want to worship more, I'll, I'll say it publicly. Jamie, next week, two songs. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just teasing. <laughs> but we'll go longer next week, I promise. Hallelujah. Uh, a few things I want to give some updates. Uh, for those of you who have been on the church website or the church uh, email, you've been hearing about a number of things we've been praying about this week. So I wanted to give you some updates. Uh, the first of which is Pastor Dan Dennison. So for those of you who don't know Pastor Dan, he is the founder of this church. He and Pastor Claudia are the founders of this church. They started this church in 1988. And he is uh, 80. Somebody tell me, is he 80 or 8 or older than that? He's 81. I thought he was getting old. Okay. So he's, no, I'm just, he's 81. And, uh, he's had some health problems. They, they were in a car accident a few years ago and so on. Well, on Friday night, he had a massive heart attack. Um, and so we had a prayer chain went out when people were praying and thank you so much for that. Um, he was actually, his, he had no heartbeat for quite a, quite a while. And, uh, so they were very concerned about him. And uh, they were doing, the EMTs came and did all of the, the, the paddles and the whole nine yards. And by the time he was in the, uh, the ambulance, they had intubated him, and he was trying to talk. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, yeah. So he was, he was a, you know, I'm sure he was trying to witness to the uh, EMTs that were uh, knowing Pastor Day. Yeah, yeah, Jesus loves you, and so do I. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Amen. So yeah, so but he uh, is at, at Regents Hospital. He is uh, doing well. He, he can move everything. He's here. You know, he's understanding. He's responding. I believe he's still intubated. Uh, but we just want to continue to lift him up and and uh, Pastor Claudia and for a com- full and complete recovery. Amen. So, but thank you for your prayers. That's been huge. Uh, it's been absolutely wonderful. Uh, and he, there he's making progress and we'll just believe God for all the wisdom for all the doctors and the nurses, everybody involved that they have wisdom above and beyond, uh, their own ability. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So then the other prayer request we have was actually for our family. Uh, Debbie's brother, Mike had a, a massive stroke, uh, about an hour before this happened with Pastor Dan. So we were in the middle of dealing with that with her family. He's a very young man. He's 45. Uh, that night it looked extremely grave. It did not look good at all. Uh, there was no movement. There was no response. I mean, he was just, it was very, very tenuous. And, uh, people were praying. We heard from, uh, thought I was going to do this all right. People from across the country, churches on both coasts, people in between praying for him. And, so then yesterday, uh, they ran a number of tests, and we heard nothing all day. You know, there's nothing worse than not hearing anything, you know, when it's too, when it's too quiet. But as of last night, uh, where he had, he had no movement on his right side, he had, uh, he had, uh, very little movement on his, on his left side. Um, this, as of last night, he had, he was moving his left side on command. He could move everything. And on his right side, there is movement. Amen. So praise God. Amen. And when they did the, the MRI on him, uh, they said, oh, the, the clot's not as big as we thought it was. So glory to God. And I was like, yes, it is. That's right. It's getting smaller every moment in Jesus' name. And, and uh, he is, he's probably one of, he, of all the bulks, 
he is probably the most stubborn. So we, uh, he should be okay, but we're just continuing. Thank you, everybody. We, I hear people, then I thought, you know, I'm going to give an update. We usually don't give an update uh, on all the prayer requests, but I don't want to say it like 50 times today. So I'll just say it once. Here, here's the update. But thank you. It is such a, such a blessing. Thank you so much. And then one more thing that I need to share. Uh, if you notice, uh, a number of weeks ago, we were so glad, so excited to have Pastor John and Julie Moe uh, become a part of our uh, congregation here, and their sons, uh, Jared and Jordan, are, are, are a part of us, and, and uh, we were so excited, and then all of a sudden, they're not here. And uh, people have been bugging Jared and Jordan. Where are your parents? You know, are they, do, do we need to send out a rescue crew or whatever? But um, So Pastor John and Julie pastored in Iowa for over 20 years, and they moved up here. They were here for a few weeks. Well, in the last month, uh, Pastor Tom Bakke in uh, Grandy resigned as the pastor there, and Pastor John and Julie are going to interim pastor there until we work through the process of having a new pastor, and it was just an absolute blessing. I mean, when everything started to happen, I reached out to him, and I said, I know you just got here, but can you go to work? You know, get, you've had enough rest. Let's get, let's get to work here. And so they have been up there uh, the last, well, they were up there in the last three weeks. They've been up, this is their second Sunday. They were out of town last week, but um, so yeah, praise God. Uh, they're up there. He wanted me to let you know, and the boys really wanted you to let you know because they were tired of answering questions. So it's <laughs> awesome. It's so, so good to have the body of Christ working together, and that's what our vision is. You know, that's the cool thing. Our vision is to reach out to the St. Croix River Valley, planting churches up and down in all these towns that did, used to have a church and don't. You know, in Grandy, the church, there was to be, used to be one church now. Now it's a quilting center. You know, now there's this church. So that's, that's the vision is to bring the gospel to these areas where, you know, maybe it's gone away, you know, because of movement and everything else. So praise God. That's where they're at. You can continue to pray for them and lift them up. And if you want to actually hear him preach, uh, not during our service, but you can, afterwards you can go on YouTube and they'll be posted. So his, his sermons up there will be on, it's, uh, uh, I think it's our River Valley Christian Church dash IHC on YouTube. IHS, yes, in his service. Yeah, not in his care. IHS, thank you. IHS, and so that is on their web or YouTube, and so that'd be awesome. You can do that. All right, now, one more housekeeping. It's going to take, you know, we're going to have some folks come up and share real quick. Uh, one of the things uh, that we have had here at, at River Valley for a few years now, we saw a need for it, we saw a, uh, 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 an area of lack, is we've ha- always had leaders, we've had leaders of ministries, we've had, had elder, or we've had board members, we've had ministers, we've had, we have pastoral staff and that, but what we really saw that we needed was more body care, people that, that could minister on a regular basis. And so two years ago, I think it's been almost two years now, we, we formed the elder board, and we had not had an elder board here in over 18 years, uh, maybe even longer, but we now have an elder board. They are amazing, and that we're actually going to introduce them. I'm going to introduce Jim here in just a moment, and, uh, but we're there, he's just going to share a little bit about what elders do, and just from my, you know, just real quick, uh, my perspective, our elders here are, not, it's not a governing board. You know, we have a board team member, we have staff, we have people that take care of the business of the church. The elders are, you know, focused on you. 
They're focused on the people. They're focused on ministering to the sick, ministering to the shut-in, but also many other things you're going to hear today. I'm not going to steal all of Jim's thunder uh, at this point. But in just a moment, I'm just, I want to introduce to you uh, Reverend Jim uh, Hoffman. He's been a pastor for many, many years. And have, they've been now, uh, he and Linda are a part of our congregation now for, well, Linda's been a part of our congregation for many years, and they just hooked up. You know, they, they got married. So <laughs> now we, we won. We won in the, uh, in the marriage. And, and so uh, they're here, but they are a vital member of our congregation. Let's give a warm welcome to Reverend Jim Hoffman and, and Linda, please. Easy on the reverend. <laughs> Lord called me to be a pastor about 30-some 30, 30 years ago. I was walking out in my backyard, and the Lord spoke to me when I was praying. and said, you will be a pastor. And I said, what's that going to look like? You know, and, you know, and, uh, but that was what he called me. He called me to do pastoral ministry, you know, and, uh, it's taken different shapes over the years, but uh, that's where it's at. Uh, my wife, Linda, it was, I lost my first wife uh, oh, about six years ago. All, all my grandkids there, their grandma, you know, and I got two of my children here, uh, Matt and Amy, and lost their mother. But, uh, you know, God had something in mind for me. He knew he was going to take Lori home. Nobody wanted to go to heaven more than Lori did. That was her joy, her joy. She was willing to stay, but wanted to go. She didn't want to stay, but willing to go. She was willing to stay, but she wanted to go. That was her. But then the Lord brought Linda along, and I've been a happy camper ever since, <laughs> you know. Wise men, if anybody was at the Palooza last night, we were out there dancing away, you know. That's the only one I got rhythm for, them fast ones. Not so good. <laughs> Not so good. Okay, uh, this morning I'd like to talk about the small group ministry of the church. You know, our church has many, many ministries, a lot of good classes, lots of this, lots of that, youth. I kept bragging on the youth and the, and the program and the kids program for so long, and finally my grandkids are showing up here and experiencing it. And they come to this church because there's life here. Amen. There is life. you got to understand. They'll go where there's life. They don't want to be just told a bill of goods, get together and play games. They want life, and that's why they come. So there's life here. Uh, Regarding small groups, I'd like to share a couple of scriptures. Hardly on the board. Oh, goody, goody. Ephesians 4.16 says, From the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow and builds itself up in love. You want to read First Peter 4.10 here, honey? As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks, 
as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The goal of the small of the small group ministry is spiritual growth for all its members. Uh, when I started uh, organizing leading small groups, I prayed about what do you want in these small groups? And the Lord said, ex- I felt very strongly from the Holy Spirit, extend pastoral care. Extend pastoral care. I swore I'd never be an elder again in a church. But when John asked me to be a pastoral care elder, I said, that's what I've been doing all my life. I didn't like this other stuff that goes with being an elder, you know. So, but I love pastoral care. It's in my heart. It burns inside of me. It burns. I can't help myself, you know. It just burns uh, to care for the saints. But uh, extend pastoral care. Fellowship and worship, Bible study and prayer are all part of the small group ministry. And it allows us for the Holy Spirit to use us as he will. Not just the leader, but in the body. Because he wants the Holy Spirit, he wants you to learn to hear God's voice. He not only wants you to use the Holy Spirit in the ministry, he wants you to learn to hear God's voice. So when you're talking to that guy out in the street, you know, you hear God's voice. And you say, hey, you know, you learn to hear God's voice. It isn't like a big woof that comes. You learn to hear it, and you learn to line it up uh, with what Scripture says. And you can do that in a small group. Um, Okay, some essentials of being in a small group. Are they on the board there, Greg? Grace. Grace will be extended. God is for you. A place where you can demonstrate the love of God and we can use the gifts God has placed within the body of Christ. Some of the Bible's commands can best be carried out only in a smaller setting. Bear one another's burdens. Encourage one another. I, I, the body heals the body. You know, I've seen it so often. The body heals the body. You know, and the Lord may want to speak to somebody, and the body takes care of the body. And then truth, speak the truth in love. God's word provides a living hope. Through love and the word of God, strongholds can be uncovered, and people may experience freedom and life in Christ. And then time, growth takes time, and God's plan is to use the saints over time to minister to grow us up in love. We all want to be zapped, or only if the pastor would pray for us. And that's, that's you know, our, our church is going to grow, you understand? And the pastor isn't going to be able to be connected to most of the people. That's just the way it is. So the body of Christ has to take care of the saints coming in. And we got to prepare ourselves. We got to have that fire in our belly. We got to dedicate ourselves to growing individually in the Lord, and then in a corporate situation, be ready, be ready to minister. Okay. So, um, then as far as I wrote down here, leaders. What I look for in a small group leader is a heart of a shepherd. They want to lead and care for the saints. 
I look for people not to be spiritual giants, but to have both feet on the ground. You know, both feet on the ground. That's what I look for. And uh, patience, perseverance, and humility are the key uh, when I look for a leader. Okay. I'd like to introduce our current uh, small groups as I know them. There may be more, but that's, this is what I know. So if uh, Tom and Carla would come up, Roger and Pam would come up, um, Mary and Jane, are you guys around? Did you want to come up or just want me to say Mary B? The prime time later, ladies, there they come. You know that guy with the Elvis, <laughs> that guy Elvis sang to Mary. I think he spent the most time on Mary B. I don't know what that deal is, but Elvis spent the most time on Mary B. There she was. You know, I thought you were going to get up and do a little, you know. Anyway, who else we got there? Kathy. Kathy DeMar has a small group. Linda has a small group. And I'm starting a new small group a week uh, or on Wednesday nights. So, Tom, I'm going to ask each to say just a couple of seconds about their small group. A couple of seconds. All right. This is my wife, Carla. I'm Tom Heitman. Um, and we have a small group for young families. And we started meeting last year. We have four young families, four families with young people in our, in our group. We're starting up again the fourth Sunday of this month, the last Sunday of this month, and we're going to go the second and fourth Sunday uh, throughout. And we meet in the back room at noon. We go till 1.30. Um, if husbands and wives, you have young families, and, and you would like to meet with us, we would love to have you. Love to have you. I'm Kathy DeMar, and I have the Healing Hearts Ministry, and um, I, I meet with women that have been betrayed by their husbands or their relationships or been hurt, wounded, and we meet and um, on the first and third Tuesday of each month, and anybody, actually ladies 18 and older, are able to join us. Um, and I guess I just want to say, you know, when the enemy is out to get um, your hearts and what what God wants to do is not have you isolated. And so we're there to to just wrap our arms around you and, and love on you and pray with you. And um, a lot of times when we get to the root of why we do what we do, and it, it brings out... Um, God's goodness, because God has healing and wholeness. And the the group does meet at, at my home, um, and you can see me after or um, get Pastor Greg to give you my telephone number. And uh, I also have some brochures in the back um, just doing one-on-one uh, -on -one ministry when you're uncomfortable being with a group. Linda. Hello. <laughs> I'm Linda, and we have a small group at our home. Uh, we're studying the book Courageous. Um, how to deal with uh, end-time hostility towards Christians. 
And um, the author has a good handle on that and is giving us some good advice. And we have a little time of prayer and a little time of worship. And it's been fun for me to be a part of leading that. So um, unfortunately, we're full. We live in a little townhouse, but um, who knows, we might do it again. So um, you would certainly be welcome next time around. So. Uh, which one of you two is going to give the word here? I know you're both anxious to say something, be in front of people. There you go. Yeah, this is something new for us, so we're just uh, wanting to follow the Lord. And what I wrote down, my name is Roger, so, and this is my wife. Pam. Pam. <laughs> I thought you was going to talk. I thought you was going to talk to your own name. Just in case you forgot, say the lady she was going to pronounce her name. <laughs> but uh, we have meetings at different homes from time to time, and so that uh, kind of helps move it around, and each one can have different things at their home. And our group is mostly seniors, but we do have others that are not of the same age group, and because of that, we get informed of things that we might not know, so it's kind of a mix of different things in society, and so that kind of makes that part a little interesting. And then because of groups, we get information that we need help, someone might be in need of help. If you go to somebody, sometimes they might not always want to express it, but in a small group setting, that a lot of times that'll come out and it becomes more personal, and we feel that by doing that, that we can stand with them on whatever they're going through. Uh, being a group only requires a small amount of effort most of the time, but rewards can and usually are of great value in your in your life. So we thank the Lord. It's It's a challenge at times, but we follow him it's unbelievable that he'll give us information and he gives us the things that we can reach out and help others with and we do we do have room and so we meet um monday our first and third um mondays first and third mondays of the month so at uh, six thirty. so Good tomorrow. Yeah. tomorrow night talk to roger and pam today after church we have room. We got room. Um, Jane and I have prime time ladies, usually on Thursday afternoons, first and third Thursdays, in my house. And again, my house doesn't hold any more than we have right now with social distancing and all of that we have to <clears throat> do. And anyway, we're we are reading the book, A Better Way to Pray. And um, by Andrew Womack, and it's a whole different way than I learned, <laughs> and it's a much better way, you know. Um, anyway, we're blessed. We have, you know, a number of ladies, and I think we all fit together and kind of su support each other, and we're definitely different personalities, and that's a good thing. So anyway. You're going to hand it to me? Yeah. I'm usually after your blood, but... <laughs> <laughs> Not, not yet, not yet. That's coming up in November. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add. Mary has, is so warm and hospitable and welcoming, and and we we kind of we started in January, did kind of a slow time when everybody was sequestered, and then we've been meeting in the park until just this last last week. We started meeting in her home, so it does change things when we the park we were wide open, you know. So anyway, I encourage anybody, you know, Jim will make it happen. If, if we get more people saying, 
Is that okay for me to say? If yes. people come and say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm old, older, you don't have to say you're older. But you know, you know, you know. <laughs> I'm sure Jim will make it happen and I really encourage it because we've had some wonderful, wonderful times together. You know, if you want to be a leader in a small group, let me know. If you've got a heart for something like that, let me know. Roger's not, doesn't think he's a leader. But uh, when I was spent time with Roger, I'm going to write a thing across his chest, he who must be listened to. You know, what Roger's got to say, you've got to listen to. He seeks the Lord with all his heart. And he gave, he gave Linda a word uh, out of the, from the night season. He cares for the saints. And I just, uh, I don't want to uh, pick out favorites, but Roger's my favorite. So. <laughs> so I just love his humility and, and his grace. You know, I mean, I can't say that enough. Uh, as far as, the, if you want to either got a vision for a group, a small group type deal, or it's not necessarily a Bible study. We don't quite do it the same as Bible studies. You know, Bible studies part of it, but we don't. We, that's not our primary focus. It's, but it's, it's it is a big part of it. Um, we fellowship. We sing. We have testimonies. We have good lunch, and we pray for individuals. And for my group that's starting October twenty-first, uh, we're gonna go into First Peter. Uh, Preparing for persecution is is that uh, Peter wrote this little letter to the saints in about 64 A.D. after uh, Nero started blaming the Christians for the fire in Rome and said, "Get ready, trouble is coming." And I'm not so sure it ain't just around the corner for us Christians. And uh, I think he wrote a letter preparing for persecution, and uh, that's what we're going to start out with. We'll go to Second Peter and Jude. Uh, later than that, and that uh, covers a little bit different subject. But anyway, let's just uh, thank the Lord, and if you're interested in joining a small group or questions about this, talk to any of these people or talk to myself, and I'll be glad to help you. Okay, that's all, folks. Thank you very much. That's awesome. Glad to do that. A couple of things of clarification. When uh, Jane said she's out, usually out for your blood, uh, we need to explain that because there's some new folks here. She, <laughs> she is in charge of our blood mobile twice a year. Uh, that happens here. And uh, yes, yeah, there was a collective sigh. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. We appreciate that. And then the other thing, too, is that uh, Jim shared about his uh, family, the young people that are coming to youth group, that our youth group is amazing, always has been, but it doubled in size when his family came. And uh, it's just so good to have everybody here. It's, it's, it is full of life. That's exciting. Amen? Amen. All right, turn with me. If you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, turn in your phone or whatever electronic device, or look at the screens. We have it covered in every way. I'm going to read out of Genesis chapter 18. Uh, for those of you who have begun to read through the Bible in two years, we have a read through the Bible in two year program that, that we just started up uh, a week ago. So uh, if you have not done that, now's the time to jump in. You can catch up fast. 
I mean, literally, I, I listen to it on my, on my phone, and there's many times where I'll catch up four, five, six days even in a sitting, and I can do it in about half hour. So you could catch up with last week all the way up to this week, and you can, you'll have caught up very quickly. You can listen to it on your phone or you're on your computer or whatever. But we have a, a reading plan. You hear me talk about it all the time. And, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I do want you to hear it. You know, and, the, and it says that that uh, uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing. So the more you hear something, the more likely you'll do it. And so we've been doing this two-year reading plan forever, uh, many, many years, probably 14-plus years. Uh, this is like the seventh or eighth time we've gone through the cycle. And uh, we have it online. You can go on uh, Facebook. You can go on the website. There are paper copies in the back. Uh, we just printed 20 copies for the church in Grandy. They're going to start doing it with us, uh, the church in Prescott. And so uh, Pastor John and uh, Jen Logan just want to send their greetings. They had a phenomenal first service last Sunday morning. It was wonderful. A number of people were there. Some new folks came. And so it was just, a, a you know, they are doing it with us. So so the churches are, it's, it's a, a thing that we're doing together because... It's good to be in the Word. It's good for you to be in the Word. Um, you can come and listen to me. You can listen to another anointed speaker or whatever. But it, and when you read it, it's like what Jim was saying. It's important for you to hear the voice of God. And I guarantee you, when, when you hear or when you read the Bible, you're hearing the voice of God. That's His Word to us. And so the more you're in that, the more you'll know Him. Well, this <clears throat> you'll recognize anybody who's been started doing that. Uh, Genesis 18 is part of what we read this week, and we'll begin in verse 1. It says, And the Lord appeared to him, this is uh, about, talking about Abram, And the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre. As he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent uh, door to meet them and bowed himself to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Then slide down to verse 9, uh, because it just talks about how he made supper for him. You know, if you read, if you read verse 4 through 8, it talks about the meal. He, he kills a cow, he, he put, makes some bread. He said, hey, just stop for a quick second. And it, he must have been Minnesotan, you know, because the food started coming out, and it was ours, I'm sure. So they... Uh, so that's, that's, that's verses 4 through 8. I'm not going to read all that. But then it gets to verse 9. They're talking. And the Lord, we know it was Jesus. I mean, that's a, it's, he's, it's a, a, a uh, I can't remember the theological word for some of you theologians out there. Thank you very much. Christophany? It's, a, it's an experience. It's a, it's a thing in the Old Testament that was actually Jesus talking. It was actually Jesus there. There's a number of them in the, in the Old Testament <clears throat> so this is him speaking to Abraham in the person. He says, Then he said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abram, 
Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. So it's an example, it's, it's the, the, uh, the fulfillment of the promise that God had given to Abraham 25 years before. Well, actually 24, because he still had a year left to go through it. 25 years. God had told him, he says, I have no son. God says, I want to reward you, I want to bless you. And he says, and, and he says, how can I bless you? And Abraham goes, how can you bless me? I don't even have a son. I don't have someone to carry on my name. And God says, you'll have a son. He says, I, you will have, and he, but he had to wait 25 years. That's a long time. I mean, for you guys, that's more than a lifetime. Okay. It's 25 years. For you, that's like, I won't say it. Okay. So <laughs> 25 years is a long time. You say, Hey, I'm, I promise you, I'm going to do this for you, but it's going to be, you know, 25 years from now. You know, we'll all go, okay. Well, we'll see. You know, we'll see. But God here is at the end here says, Abram, you're going to have a son. When I come back next year, you're going to have a son. Just be ready. All right? Now, this last week, two different things happened, and it made me uh, start thinking about something, and um, this, these verses will actually play into it. It's pretty, pretty wild. So two things happened. One was uh, somebody had passed around a, a, uh, a video. So on, somewhere online, somebody had posted a video of the, uh, the return. How many of you watched or heard about the return last week? Where what, I don't know, thousands of people were on the, the government, you know, went to Washington and they prayed for our government. Praise God. Wonderful. I mean, the video of it was just powerful. And, and Vice President Pre, uh, Pence was there and, and spoke and, and many different Christian leaders, uh, spoke and prayed and, and had uh, ministered in different ways. And I, I didn't see all of it. I saw different parts that throughout the day, but I didn't watch the whole thing. But somebody put out a, a video of a man who prophesied from the, from the, right in front of the uh, Lincoln Memorial. He prophesied about the coming revival. And it was powerful. You know, he talked about, you know, he says that God is, and he was speaking in a prophetic voice. He said, he said, I'm going to send revival on this country. I'm going to restore this country back to its roots. I'm going to, I'm going to wipe clean. God is saying, I'm going to wipe clean the, the corruption. I'm going to wipe. I'm going to get rid of the corruption. I'm going to get rid of the, the sin. I'm going to get rid of the, the vile in our country. And all of those things were all, and all, it's sound, and people were cheering and, and it's good. It's a good thing. You know, I mean, we want, our country to be restored. But as I was listening to that, I just, I, I was like, there's something missing here. Because he was saying it in such a way that, that God's going to do this. The thing is, God's going to, has already done everything he's going to do. God has already done everything you, the Bible says everything that you need. God has given you everything you need for life and godliness. Jesus, when he died on the cross, rose from the dead, 40 days later, rose up into heaven, it says that he sat down on the right hand of the Father. Because his work was done. Now he intercedes going, hey, that, they're mine. When we say something, when we pray, when we speak, he's going, hey, they're mine. They, they have the authority to do that. They're, he's interceding for us. But it's now not up to him to get rid of the corruption in our country, to get rid of the, the sin in our country, to deal with all those things. It is, it's, whose job is it? It's ours. Amen. As the body of Christ on this earth, it's our job. The second thing that happened was somebody sent out a meme. 
You know, and I know, you know, we live in a very uh, electronic age and, you know, there's way too much junk on uh, Facebook and all these other vile places that you should never go. But I was there and uh, there was a, a meme that somebody put on there and it made me laugh at first. And second, I realized how it fit in to what the Lord wants to say this, this week. It was a meme about Second Chronicles 7. So turn with me to Second Chronicles 7. Very familiar verse, especially this time of the season when we're doing a vote and whenever we see the things that are happening in our world and how everything's out of, seemingly out of control and all those things, people will always quote this verse. And it says this, Second Chronicles chapter 7, Second Chronicles chapter 7, beginning with verse 14. Very familiar. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Now he's talking about the, the it was the temple dedication. God was speaking prophetically uh, through someone there. And he's talking about his temple. But what he's saying is, if you want to see a healing in your land, then you need to repent. People, my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and repent of their wicked ways. You know, it doesn't say that the government has to repent of its wicked ways, because it's not going to. You know, it doesn't say that, that uh, you know, uh, uh, what's the place out west where they make movies? Hollywood. Well, that Hollywood. For those of you who are new, it's kind of a fill-in-the-blank thing. You know, if I ever blank out, it's because I got too many words flopping around in there. Hollywood. Hollywood is not going to repent. They're too proud. They're too, they're, they are too vile. You know, the, 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 the majority of them, there's some, praise God, there's some believers there. Praise God, there's some, some, some people who love our country and love our, you know, our way of life, but they're, most don't. They're not going to repent. They're not going to humble themselves. Give me a break. Have you watched anybody on TV lately? There is no humility. Just watch the debate. Ooh. Ooh. What do you mean? Which one? <laughs> Either one. Humble yourselves and pray. Whose job is that? It's ours. Jesus did everything He's going to do. I mean, we, we read at the beginning of Genesis earlier on uh, two weeks ago, and when God, it says that, that God created this, He spoke and created that, and on the second day He spoke and created that, and the third day and the fourth day, the fifth day spoke and created, sixth day created, and then what did He say? On, what did He do on the seventh day? He rested. God did everything He was going to do to provide for literally everything that would ever live on this earth. He did it in the creation, and then He rested. But then what did he say to man? He said, now you go. You till the land. You expand. Fill the earth. You go do it. What happens is people want to be lazy. I'll just, I'll just cut right to the chase. We want to be lazy. We want to put our feet back and say, oh God, save me. Go, oh God, fix my problems. Oh God, help me. You know, and, and there are definitely times when you need God's help. You know, there is time when you need God's mercy. 
There is a time when you need, you know, when you can't do a thing. And you just say, Lord, I'm putting myself in your hands. But there's still something you need to do, and that is believe. That's up to you, is to believe and to, to speak over it and to pray and all those things. It is not that God's going to do it all. He's already done everything He's going to do. Now it's up to us. The problem with that, people don't like that because now there's a responsibility. If our country's not healed, whose fault is it? His people, who are called by His name. Because we have a response. We have something we need to do. Man, there's the, the simple thing is vote. You know? I'm not gonna, we're not gonna spend a lot of time talking about politics, although we do spend a fair amount of it. But I want to, but it's from the idea of that, that we need to do our part. And if that means, you know, you have the, the ability, praise God for the, for the freedom to, to cast a vote. I know people who live places in the world who don't have that freedom. They're under a different system. Now, who should you vote for? Well, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Believe what it says. Don't try to reason it away. There are things that are sin. And if somebody is advocating for sin, don't vote for them. That's easy. If they're advocating for sin, I wasn't even going to talk about politics today. Sorry about this. I just got here. You'll have to forgive me if you're new. I do it too much. Okay, but no, but it, but understand the heart I'm doing it from. I'm not telling you who to vote for, except know what the Word of God says. If it's sin, and you vote for somebody who advocates for sin, you're as culpable as they are. In this world, you, we will stand before our Heavenly Father. We will have to give an account for every idle word. <laughs> Yikes. That's bad enough. I got too many idle words. I mean, idle. You know, not, not blasphemous, not, but just stupid words. Okay? Just stupid things. Why do something that is blatantly wrong? Know what people, research it, research, research, read. Get, get understood. Yeah, the platform. Understand what needs, what they're believing. And then, can I vote for them? And do what you, do what the Lord leads you to do. That's all I, that, that's all I'm gonna say. That's all I need to say. But, got it. Here's the thing. You have something you have to do. You have to go do that. When, when your children, you know, we can pray for our children all day long. You can pray for them to grow up right. You can pray for them to, to, to be responsible. You can pray for them. But if you don't raise them right, if you don't do the work, Jesus is not going to come down and raise your kids for you. And when they get old and they're a mess, and you're going, Lord, why didn't you help them? Why didn't you fix them? Why didn't you solve this? Wait a second. He, he said, you raise up a child in the way that they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. It's our responsibility. You know, oh Lord, fix my wife. <laughs> fix her. Lord, please join with me. I need people to, you know, to, to <laughs> pray with me. Fix my wife, Lord. Oh, Father, don't you see what she's doing? Not her. I'm just using a hypothetical. <laughs> She's perfect in every way. Don't worry, don't worry about it. But some people, I've heard people say this, Lord, fix my wife. No, the Bible says you humble, you know, you submit yourself. Husbands, submit yourself to your wife. Lift her up. Love her like, like Christ loved the church. 
You know how much you need to love, you know how much, husband, you know how much you need to love your wife? Die. Not physically, but die. You'll let your will die. I want to, Lord, I want to serve her. And if that means I don't get to do what I want every single moment of every day, suck it up. <laughs> die. I mean, then just have kids. You want to die? Have kids. I don't want to change another diaper, but yeah, a few minutes go along. It's like, yeah, I'm going to die. It's better than dying. You know, the really bad stuff. Just, we have to serve one another. If your marriage is messed up, whose fault is it? God's? No. Humble yourself. Seek Him. Repent. Man, I, I have been, I've been like 99% perfect in my whole marriage, right, sweetheart? Like 99. But there have been times where I've been forced to have to repent. Everything's under the blood. At this moment, 99%. 99%. No. It's just, it's humility. It's li- we have a part to play. All right. Now, go to one more place here. God's done everything He's going to do. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. Jesus had died, rose again. He ministered for 40 days, revealed himself to many, many people, hundreds if not thousands of people, showed them that he was alive, there was proof. And then he said goodbye, he left. You know, he said, now go into all the world, preach the gospel. You go into all the world, preach the gospel. Why? You know, God has the ability to put a big banner between here and the moon that says, I am real, repent. But that's not how he set it up. He didn't set it, he's done everything he's going to. Jesus even said, if, if somebody were to come back from the dead, they'd still explain it away. He did come from the, back from the dead. You know, he did raise from the dead. And what did they do? They explained it away. That isn't how, he's done everything he could do. He died on that cross, he he shed his blood, he he took all the sin, all the pain, all the suffering onto him, and it's our job to receive that. You know, how do you, the Bible, he told a guy one night, he says, you must be born again. Well, what does that mean? The guy goes, I'm a Bible scholar, I don't even know what you're talking about. Jesus goes, that's exactly right, It's it's too easy for you. You must be born again. What does that mean? I need to stop. I need to stop where my life is. If I'm, if I'm not a part of his kingdom, I need to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. It's my fault. It's, I'm the one. I take responsibility. It's my sin. I repent. I, need, I receive what you did on the cross for me. I receive that death, that resurrection, that shed blood, what we just commemorated this morning. I receive that forgiveness. It's a free gift. You can't earn salvation. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough good things in a lifetime. But I receive what what Jesus did on the cross for my sin. You are my Lord. We sang that this morning. You are Lord. You're the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what I believe is that Jesus Christ gets to be the Lord of my life, which means I got to go where I need, you know, where he tells me to go. He tells you to, you're going to be a pastor, and you go, I don't want to do that. I had somebody tell me one day, they said, the Lord just told me you're going to be a pastor. I laughed in their face. This was over 30-some 30, 30 years ago. I was like, there ain't no way. Well, <laughs> <laughs> joke's on me. 
You do what He tells you to do, not what you want to do. He's Lord. And when that happens, you enter into a new life. You're born again. It starts new. All the old is past. All the old is done. You're a new creature, a new creation. And then life begins new. Now there's a whole new life that you're eligible for. So praise God for that. So that happened. He died, and then he left. He left, and he says, you guys go tell people this is the way it works now. So if the kingdom doesn't move forward, if it doesn't happen, whose fault is it? It's not his. He did everything he could do. He gave you everything you need for life and godliness. He gave you all power, all authority. And then we read in Acts chapter 2, he really gives you power. He told them, don't go anywhere. Don't leave Jerusalem. He says, when you, when you're, you wait in Jerusalem, that when the Holy Spirit comes, remember there's the Father, there's the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Three in one. God, God triune. What does that mean? Tell me, you know, explain that to me exactly. Sorry, can't do it. God's way bigger than I understand. I just know the Bible says that He is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How that works, good with me. It'll be fun to see it. Be fun to really understand. I have my theories. We're not talking theory this morning. We're talking fact. So the, he said, he says, when I, he says, I have to leave. Jesus said, I, he told his disciples, I have to leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. And when he comes, you're going to have power. And he, he used the, the Greek word is dunamis power. Dunamis means the same word, we get, word that we get dynamite, explosive power, miracle working power, power, power. So this is the day. This is when it happens. Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there, from, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each, each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You know, it's amazing. So here comes the power. Now there's power. And then they all decided to go home and watch the football game. And just went on with their life, and they went back to fishing. No. What happened when the Spirit of God came on them? They went out in the street, and they began to speak. And God filled their mouth. And what was the amazing thing in this, in this account was they didn't even use their own language. You want to talk about power? You want to talk about the anointing of God on somebody's life to even preach in a different tongue? Something you don't even know. I know of at least two people, minimum. I can probably can think of more uh, that I know personally that they've done this. One friend of mine, you know, we know that we know that I, you'll know him when I, when I talk about it. He was in the Philippines, and a, and a person walked up and said, "Please pray for me." And he's like, "Okay." He didn't know what to pray, so he prayed in tongues. He just started praying in the spirit, and he got all done. And the person started speaking to them, him in their own language. And he goes, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I don't understand what you're saying. And they smiled and looked at him and said, what do you mean, you just prayed in my language? Exactly what she needed prayer for. God is powerful, there's power in him. But my friend still had to pray, okay? Another friend of mine, he was a, a missionary in China, and he was very restricted on what he could do. It's just, you know, they, they had all kinds of laws. As we know, there's all kinds of restrictions. He could only do certain things at certain times. Well, he is an evangelist, okay? I mean, he is a, he just can't sit still. He's got to share the word with somebody. 
And, he's, and I think it happened at least twice, right? I think once in a, in a cab and once on the, the Great Wall of China. He couldn't take it anymore. He told his wife, he says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to witness to somebody. And he got in a cab and he just started speaking in tongues. He just started to speak. He said he had no idea what he was saying. And all of a sudden the person, he's just speaking, and all of a sudden the person starts speaking back to him, praying, crying, and the whole thing. Found out that he had just led the guy to the Lord by the Spirit. That happened one, that happened once in the, in a cab, and then it also, on the Great Wall, he's like, there's gotta be somebody here to talk to. Walked up to him, started speaking in tongues, and led him to the Lord. Now, God can do that. He can give you the power. He has given you the power. But what did those men have to do? They had to step out. They had a part to play. And it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter. It isn't because you have reverend in front of your, your, your name. It isn't about pastor in front of your name. It's about whosoever. Whosoever. You know, in the upper room, in the upper room, there were no ministers. There were no official, uh, canonized, uh, 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 ortho, uh, huh? Ordained. That's the word I'm looking for. Ordained that fill in the blank. See how that works? That's awesome. All right. They, they weren't official ministers. Who were they? They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were women. Probably some kids. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak. And people got saved. 3,000 were added that day. Why? Because they saw the power of God. He's given us everything we need. You know, we have a, a, a the, the vision that God has given us here at River Valley Christian Church, Lake Elmo, but also RVFM, River Valley Fellowship of Ministries, is to plant 24 churches by 2027, have a network of 24 churches. We have four. You think, well, I, you know, we're, we're, we're getting closer here. Two years have passed. We have four. Well, watch what happens. Watch what happens. God's good. He's faithful to his word. And so, but to do it, it isn't just me. It's not just me and the, and the staff. It's not just me and the staff and the, the Kara students. Thank you for, you know, praise God for the Kara students, but it's not just them. It's the body of Christ, being the body of Christ and putting him as Lord, letting him be the Lord of your life. And that may mean, hey, you need to be a pastor. Oh, I don't know about that. I should just pick somebody and really scare them. Uh, oh. There's somebody over here. She's going. You. You could be called. Yeah, who knows who God? God is he's no respecter of persons. He wants to use whoever is willing. But we have to be willing. We have to, st- we have to step out. We have to, to do what he's called us to do. And whatever part that is, leading a small group. Praise God. You know, you guys are awesome. You know, you're, you're not boisterous and, and loud and, and, and crazy and super talkative. But look what God's doing. Powerful men and women of God. You following Him and being led by Him. We're all doing that. Youth, praise God for, you know, being on the worship team and singing and getting outside of your comfort zone. That's what this is about, is being a part of the kingdom. And that's what we here, this is all about. It's not about me. I can, literally, I was gone last week. Did you notice I was gone last week? I was gone last week, and the, and the thing went forward. And the sermon was amazing. Part one of that sermon was amazing. It was wonderful. Right, Brian? Part one. 
I texted that to him last Sunday. I said, hey, part one was phenomenal. He goes, what do you mean part one? <laughs> part only. No, 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 no. As we move forward, it takes the body. God may ask you to do something over the next year, the next two years, and, and it may seem so out of your comfort zone. But when you step out by faith, watch what God does. That's what this is all about. So after service here in about 10 minutes, we're going to have the first thing. The first thing. So the first thing is that we're going to be back in the, the far classroom on the other end. Over there, it's W1. So for those of you, W1. So we're going to be back there. The first thing is just to get to meet and greet us. And, I, and I, I'll tell the story a couple times over the next few weeks when we meet in uh, first thing and then the next thing. It was a number of years ago, uh, we had a, a, a couple who came to this church for the very first time. And they called me up after the first service and they said, hey, can we take you out for coffee? We have some questions. So I said, sure. So I met them at a coffee shop here in town. And we sat down over coffee, and they just asked some questions about our theology and our vision and who we are and what we believe. And I answered you know, their questions, and we talked. And I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, you're here for the very first time. I said, what did you notice? I mean, I'm here every Sunday. I mean, I know everybody. I under, you know, This is my culture. I, 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 I don't know what I don't see. I don't know what I don't understand. I said, when you came here, what was your first thought? What, was your, what did you think? And he sat there, he says, that's a great question. He sat there for a moment, he said, it's like this. He says, this is the way I can explain it. He says, I felt like coming into somebody else's family reunion. This church is so friendly. I mean, if you haven't noticed it yet, you know, they're just like this. You know, we're like this. It's our culture. We want to welcome you. We want you to be. But how do you really become a part? He said, it's like somebody else's really fun family, but how do you become a part of that family? And so what we've done, that was a great, I mean, I just loved what he said. He's like, yeah, we need to fix that. So what we've done is we've set this up. So today after service, we have the first thing. The first thing is the first thing, but it is, it's a meet and greet. There's no pressure. You're not joining the church. You're not, you know, you'll even find out more about that, but it's just getting to know us a little bit, getting to know each other. You know, you might be looking around the room and going, I can't tell who's new and who's, you know, who's not. Well, that's cool. That's no problem. You know, just, we're just all one family. But we get to meet each other. You'll get to meet the staff. The elders are going to be there. Some other folks are going to be there. Just kind of a meet and greet. We'll talk about then we, in two weeks, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, we're going to do the next thing. See, you see the pattern here? You know, first thing, next thing. The next thing is we actually have three weeks of a class where we talk about our church doctrine. What do we believe? Why do we believe it? You can ask all the questions you want. We then we'll talk about on a different week. We'll talk about government. How do we do this? What's what? Who's in? Who is in charge here? And I'm not going to say it because Pastor. A couple of weeks ago, I said, "Who's in charge?" I said, "Oh, Pastor Greg's in charge." He has now made that my ringtone. That when <laughs> when when I text when I text or call him, it says, "Pastor Greg's in charge." Pastor Greg's in charge. <clears throat> Yeah, very funny. Ha, ha, ha. All right. But we talk about that. We talk about leadership. We talk about vision. Where are we going? How we got here? All of that. That's going to be in a few weeks when you're invited. But if you've not ever been to one, to a first thing, we invite you. There's food. There's drink. We're going to sit and talk, How? whatever. But if, if you've never been to one, absolutely you're invited. What I'm going to do here in just a second before I turn it over to Brian is uh, what I want you to do is I want you to turn to somebody and say, have you ever been to one? And if they say no, then say, oh, then you need to come with me, and then you get the free food too. So if you've been here for a while, 
I encourage you to do that. So I'm going to turn it over to Brian, and he is going to do the announcements and the offering, and then we will move on. I just want to say a few words over the offering today. Um, make it kind of short, but picking up on, on sowing and, and reaping. Uh, I've had done a few weeks on sowing and reaping, which is uh, a favorite topic of mine. Um, the scriptures that I'm going to use is the same one, 2 Corinthians 9, 6-12. It says, But I, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. A lot of alls, like I said, there's a lot of alls and everys there. God has supplied everything. As Pastor John said, he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. When Jesus gave up his ghost, he said, it is finished. He's done it. So um, four things that it talks about there is God's nature. God is able to make all grace abound. Grace is God's favor to us. God's gift, of course, is Jesus and his purpose is that we may have an abundance for every good work. And his ownership is that he is the one who supplies. And, in, and when believers give, we reflect the family characteristics of God. This teaches us that God will give us more resources to share with those around us. It's not automatic. We have to step out by faith. We have to receive it. We have to receive his grace by faith. And it's only not just for us. It's for the people around us, right? I mean, it's for the causes of Christ. But the more we give, the more we get. And we are not called to live in poverty. Contrary to what the church may say or, or what the world may say, God created everything. He looked upon it, and it's good. Everything that's good comes from God. So there's abundances for us and for others. We are blessed to be a blessing. So in the past, I've talked about uh, six of nine um, seed principles. And I'll just um, mention those again, and then I'll finish up with the last three. Everything starts as a seed. We know that. Nothing happens until the seed is planted. Whatever I sow is what I reap. I'm not the only sower. I always reap in a different season than the one in which I sow. I always reap more than I sow. And so now in number seven, it says, I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. Makes sense, but we don't always practice that, but it makes sense. It says, remember our harvest is not only for our personal use, but for the causes of Christ. Matthew Henry, and he wrote oh, 300 years ago, 
It is God who gives us not only a competency for ourselves, but that also wherewith we may supply the wants of others, and so should be as seed to be sown, that upon the whole they may find it true that they shall not be losers but great gainers. Works of charity are so far from impoverishing us that they are the proper means truly to enrich us or make us truly rich. I mean, those are a lot of older words, but it's the more we are in a habit and more of a lifestyle of giving and blessing other people, the more we develop a lifestyle of receiving more to turn around and be a blessing and receive more. Number eight is it's time to start planting now, right? The seed is created to be sown. It's not created to just sit in a jar. However, the time to plant depends on the nature of the seed. Winter's grass seeds don't germinate in the summer. It's too hot. And summer grass seeds don't do well in the winter. It's too cold. We need to plant the right seeds at the right time. That's the principle. But in the word of God and in the, in the body of Christ, financial giving is always the right time. Financial giving to the Lord's work through the church and through ministries is a year-round seed. The time to plant is now. Because the word says, the acceptable time, behold, now is the day of salvation. Number nine is to reap the harvest, we must be patient and never give up. Patience, endurance, or perseverance is a fruit of the Spirit. It's also required for spiritual maturity and success. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. It's Hebrews 10, 36. Sometimes we give up too early. I've been guilty of that. God calls us to endure in the grace of giving. Galatians 6, 9 says, Do not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Amen?